Welcome to the Podcast of the Hill. You are about to hear a message from Pastor Daniel and Shay Blaylock entitled, Safe Enough to Laugh, from our Mother's Day message. Proverbs 31.25 says, She is clothed with strength and dignity and laughs without fear of the future. Psalm 31.25. What better lady to read it for us today than Miss Yvonne. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word and your promises to us that you give us strength. Lord, you give us joy. Lord, and we're able to rejoice at the future. Lord, we don't have to dwell on our present. We don't have to dwell on things that we think on, but Lord, your word has given us something that we can cling to. And Lord, I pray today that you will help us to walk away. Lord, being reminded that you're our strength and you clothe us in that today. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, When Abigail was, well, a few weeks ago, we were riding to the uh, soccer field, and I had been uh, busy all week. I don't remember what was going on, but I had been dressed, makeup, hair, shoes, nice clothes, um, whatever else, you know, I needed to do to get through the week. And um, so we, we went home on that Thursday afternoon, and I was kind of over it. And I put on my T-shirt and my wind shorts, and I threw my hair in a ponytail and put on my tennis shoes. And uh, we got in the car, and we drove off. So we were about halfway down Snow Road when she said, Mom? And I said, yes. And she said, what are you wearing? And I said, well, I have on a T-shirt and some shorts, and I have on a, my tennis shoes. And she said, well... Some girls like to wear junk. So this is my, um, this little girl does not like to wear junk, and she judges you if you wear junk, okay? So um, just know when you're around her, she might not be thinking it, but she's saying it. Lance, Nancy Lee DeMoss said on Revive Our Hearts, the most important pieces of our wardrobe do not hang in our closets. You can't buy them at the mall. It is the clothing of godly character and moral strength. I don't want my spiritual life to be clothed in junk. God doesn't want that for us. As a mom, sometimes as a grandmother, as fathers, just as Christians, sometimes we feel clothed in junk and not what God has called us to. We feel tired. We feel empty. Sometimes we feel clothed in our our past, maybe our upbringing, um, the way we were raised as a child, and we maybe feel lacking in our ability to, as a model. We didn't see a model as a grandmother or a father or a mother. Maybe we focus on fear of the future. Maybe we're just busy and we feel clothed in that. Um, we focus on our finances and our emotional uh, states. And, you know, Facebook and uh, Pinterest kind of reiterate that to us on a daily basis sometimes. Can I just tell you something? What these what girls put on Facebook, we put our best stuff out there, right? We don't see each other on the bad days. We don't see each other on the days when we're not clothed in those things because we're not going to post that. We're going to post our best foot forward, and then everyone around us feels like maybe we don't have it all together and we don't measure up to that standard of being clothed in strength and dignity. We've done that to ourselves. Matthew Henry said, strength and honor are her clothing in which she wraps herself in which she appears to the world. She enjoys a firmness and constancy of mind, 
has spirit to bear up under the many crosses and disappointments which even the wise and virtuous must expect to meet with in this world. And this is her clothing. Today we wanna talk about clothing and um, being clothed with strength. Um, The Hebrew word for strength is boldness and power. It's not strength of our physical body, but it's a strength that comes much deeper, a strength of our soul. And as I look out across this room today, I see many of you who have strength of soul. You've lost a spouse, you've lost family, you've lost a child, and today you sit here probably feeling weaker than normal, but you're the picture of a person with strength. Ladies who have battled cancer and some other serious illness and being dignified and strong through the process, People have grieved the loss of children and husbands and siblings and parents, but you've had strength and dignity through that walk. People who have battled financial woes and job stresses, but you've stood firm and believed God to provide, and you've been a testimony to others. People who have dealt with loneliness and heartache, but trusted God that he is their constant companion and you will make it through. In seasons of bad news, it's not our natural tendency to be strong. Our natural tendency is to be weak when we receive negative news or worry fills our minds. Um, I can't tell a funny story without crying, but we wanted to share today. In 2007, Daniel and I um, were expecting our second child. And in September, we walked in and we found out it was a girl. And uh, I had already said, we tried not to use credit cards, but I said, if this is going to be a girl, then after this is over, we are going shopping. (laughs) And I didn't have any money because we were church planners, but I was determined that I was going to buy some pink. And um, we celebrated in the hall and we dreamed of all this stuff. And um, in a matter of a few minutes, the doctor said, can you meet us? in my office. And uh, if you've had a baby before, that was not good news for us. We, didn't, we really didn't know what to expect, but that had never happened to us with Sean. And she proceeded to tell us that um, there were no lips, there was no esophagus. Our eyes were really close together and she lacked the two hemispheres of your brain uh, that are supposed to be there. And so she just had one blob of a brain there. We could see all of it on the pictures and uh, we were told that we would probably miscarry or we would have a stillbirth or we would deliver if we made it to about six months without miscarrying, we probably would have her. And um, we need to make preparations for that and be prepared. And so for months, I just walked around feeling like there was kind of a bomb in my stomach, you know, like any day it was going to explode. Um, we would go for sonogram after sonogram, and we questioned, you know, how would Sean do? And what would, um, what Daniel was booked for revival, so we began to plan how to wheelchair ramp our house and all of these things that would come with parenting a disabled child. And um, funny this verse, because I didn't feel very strong today, that day. Or any of those days, to be honest. I remember going home and sitting in my chair, and I put in a VHS of uh, Jason Crabb singing, he never promised the cross would not get heavy, and the hill would not be hard to climb. And he never offered victory without fighting, but help 
would come in time. And I held on to that song. Every time we would go for a sonogram, which was pretty much weekly, I would sing that and I would cling to that. And many of you have been in that spot with with cancer, with, with things that you've had to go for, and you go and you just cling to something to get you through. And um, sometimes it's scripture, sometimes it's songs, but those, that was my song, that was for me. And um, at six months, we walked into the doctor's office that day, and we really thought that by this point, we would have her because we had made it this far. So we had made adjustments, Daniel had canceled revivals, and we were doing everything we needed to do to be good parents, and so we, we walked in, and um, that day, there was no heartbeat, and that was the day that we delivered her, and although, you know, it's a horrible story, and I don't want it to feel like a depression session, but I can look back on that season of my life, and I can say, had I not gone through that, I wouldn't be who I am today, and I'm thankful for the journey. Do you have those moments? Do you have those moments that you can say, you know, I would rather have her today, but I am thankful for what God did in me and I wouldn't trade it for anything. He is good. His word says, his word says he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases our strength. I learned through that process not to focus on my problems. I learned to get into God's word. I learned to hide his word in my heart so that when it broke, his word would just fall through my cracks of my heart and saturate it. You know what? Teach your children God's word because they may not need it today. They may not need it tomorrow. They may not need it at 12, but there's going to come a day that they're going to need his word to fall through the cracks of their heart and to strengthen them from what they have to face. Amen. Amen. The Bible not only says she's clothed with strength, but the next line in the verse says she's clothed with dignity. Say dignity. I love that. That's a great word. That's a word that all of us want to walk in, isn't it? Dignity. Not pride, not arrogance, but dignity. There's something very good and right about that. The Hebrew word means majesty or honor, and it's the word that is often used to describe God in the Bible. He's a God who is full of majesty, honor, dignity. And the Bible says he shares that dignity with us, amen? He says in the Psalms, he says, God's made man a little lower than himself, and he's crowned him with glory and honor. That word honor is the same word. It's the word for dignity. And so God wants us to be clothed with that. Men and women who bear his image bear a certain dignity, and we're to be clothed with dignity, the Bible says in this verse. But you know, sometimes we fail the test. Sometimes we don't past with flying colors. There are times in life when all of us can say we missed the mark. We did not measure up to God's expectation of us. We fell short of what he would require of us. We failed the test. We caved into the temptation. We buckled under the weight of the trial. And many times we don't feel clothed with dignity. Instead, we feel covered in shame we feel like we are ashamed. Not only are we embarrassed about what we did, but we feel ashamed over what we are because of the failure of our sin or the way that we handled something in a way that we're not proud of. The Bible says that in Isaiah 61, part of the mission of Jesus 
was to remove our shame, to replace our shame with dignity. Amen? The Bible says that. He says in Isaiah 61 verse 3 that he came to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And then in verse 7 he says, instead of shame, you will have double honor. There's that word again, honor, dignity. You and I will have dignity. Unlike Adam and Eve who hid in the garden from God. Unlike Adam and Eve who felt like they had to run from God and cower behind the trees or sow fig leaves, excuses for themselves to cover the shame of their sin. You and I don't have to do that because the Bible tells us in his word that Jesus has become for us a refuge. Say a refuge. Hebrews says that Jesus is our refuge. We can run to him. We can hide ourselves in him. He can cover us from our shame today. That's his promise. The story of the prodigal son, when he returns, the Bible says that his father runs to him and to hide the stains of the pig pen that are on his clothing. The Bible says he brings out a clean new robe and covers him with that robe. Jesus is here today, and if you failed horribly, if you've sinned miserably, if you have failed publicly, if everyone around you may know about your sin, maybe they don't, but you feel like they do, and you can't escape it. And every time you step in front of the mirror, you see your own failure and your own disappointment. Can I tell you today, Jesus is a refuge, and he comes to clothe you with dignity today. He wants to wrap the garment of his own righteousness around your shoulders. He can forgive your sin, and that's wonderful news. But not only does he forgive our sin, he rebuilds into us the image of God. The Bible tells us that. You see, Jesus not only forgives, he restores our dignity by remolding us into the image and likeness of our Savior. Our dignity doesn't come from guarding our image. Now that's all of our tendency. We want to protect our image. We guard our reputation. Like Shay said a moment ago about Facebook and Instagram. Those are our best five minutes of any week, right? We put our very best image out there. But that's not the truth about us. Not all the time. Probably not most of the time. And yet that's what we project. We protect our image, don't we? We defend our image. But the Bible tells us dignity doesn't come from defending our image. Dignity comes from reflecting God's image. We were made to reflect God. We were made to become like Jesus. And the hope of the gospel is not only that he forgives me, but that he changes me and he restores me to what I ought to be. I want to tell you today, no matter what you've done, you may doubt it today, but the hope of the gospel is this. Jesus restores lost dignity. Will you say that with me? Jesus restores lost dignity. He does. He can give you back that sense, not of pride, not of arrogance, but that inner sense of strength and worth and value that says, I belong to God. I'm made in the image of God. I have a purpose. He's got a plan for me. My life is not over. My failure wasn't final. What I did that was a mistake was not the last word about my life. What I've gone through, what's happened to me is not the end of me. Jesus restores lost dignity. He gives us back that inner sense of value. 2 Corinthians 3 and 18 says this, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So our text today not only describes this virtuous woman's apparel, 
or what she is clothed with, what she puts on, but it also describes her attitude. The last part of the verse that we want to talk to you about this morning is that line that says, she laughs without fear of the future. Will you say that with me? She laughs without fear of the future. I love this idea. Um, it's translated smiles or laughs, and it can be taken as to scoff or to rejoice. Um, the writer and pastor John Piper said, I was reading, he said, How then does a godly woman go on smiling, laughing even, when she reaches that inevitable moment of weakness, realizing that the painful present and most certainly the unknown future are outside of her control? And he went on to talk about, he said, she laughs like her father. The scripture says in Psalms 2, why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from slavery to God. But the one who rules in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. God laughs at his enemies, therefore you and I are able to laugh and rejoice in seasons that are difficult because if God can laugh at his enemies, we can laugh because we know who God is in our life. We know the place that he holds. After the loss of Hannah Rose, the doctors assured us that we could have another baby. We did the things that needed to be done and, and was this a of crisis and one mishap was this a genetic thing that was possibly could happen again and and the doctor said go for it you can have another child everything's going to be fine but you know that gnawing feeling of maybe not and when we came up um, expecting again we both went through a little season of just fear and anxiety and um uh, one of the elders in our church on a Sunday night service came up to us, and he spoke over a word over us that God was going to protect us, God was going to take care of us. And when we would go to a doctor's visit or we would go to do something or even just in the middle of the night and you wake up wondering, is everything okay? We would remind, both of us would just remind ourselves of the word that a Christian had given us. And we clung to that. It brought us comfort. It reassured us that he was with us. We received this word from the Lord, and every time a dart was flown at us in our mind by the enemy, we would throw back at the enemy what God had promised us and what, I'd, what he said. I'd be lying if we were just unnervous all the time. We weren't, but we had the peace of God. The Lord, those situations can't rob you of your joy when the Holy Spirit pours it in through his cup. People in the Old Testament would make altars of times when they could remember something that God had done for them. And they would make an altar, and that was a, a symbol to them, their children, of things that God had done for them. And um, I thought about that when we were talking about this story. Sometimes you need to make an altar. You need to in your journal, in your mind, in your house, just something to be able to say, God brought me through and he will bring me through again. Sometimes it's an altar to remind somebody else. Maybe there's people in this room today who are facing loss and there's someone here who's already faced it and you can look at them and say, hey, God's gonna carry you through. He carried me, he's gonna carry you. Um, the scripture says in Psalm 77, I will remember the deeds of the Lord, yes, yes. 
I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all of your works and meditate on all of your mighty deeds. Do you have some deeds, some good things today that God has done for you? And you can meditate those on those and be thankful. Can you think of those today? Give him a hand. Just think of all the great things he's done for us. He is, he is our God, and we are thankful today. Amen. I think about those altars and spaces that we build. We debated whether or not to even bring ours today. One of the things we have in our home from that season is, is a little hope chest that has glass fronts in it like a curio cabinet. And we have in there items and sonogram pictures and baby blankets and all the things for us that remind us of Hannah Rose and remind us of the season God walked us through. And every time we walk past that, it is just an altar that says to us, God is faithful on your darkest day. God's faithful on your darkest day. Our kids know what the little box is, and they'll ask a question or two about that. And once in a while, they'll mention, and we'll get to remind them a little bit about the story, as much as they can handle, depending on how old they are. But that, for us, is one of those memorial stones that prove to us that God is faithful and that His love is loyal. The other way to look at this verse, she laughs. Uh, she is strong enough, she's, she's strong enough to laugh in the face of the future. It can mean to smile or to laugh. It can mean to scoff or to mock like God laughs at his enemies. He laughs at the plot of the enemy because he knows his plan is going to stand in spite of it. But there's another way to translate that word. I don't know which one's right, so we want to offer you both of them today because I think some days we're probably in one boat and some days we're probably in the other. But the other way to translate the word is rejoice. Say rejoice. She rejoices over the future. She smiles at the times that are ahead. I love that. Uh, I love that verse. I love the way that this comes home for us. Uh, to rejoice over the future. She laughs at the days that are to come. Perhaps the greatest story in the Bible about laughter and laughing at the future is a little story tucked away in the book of Genesis about a little boy named Isaac. Do you remember his story? The Bible says that Abraham and Sarah are both very old. Abraham is 100 years old and Sarah is 90 years old. And the Lord appears and reminds them that they're about to have this child. And in Genesis 17, the story sort of begins, the story of laughter. It says, Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? You know, we all pick up on the fact that Sarah laughed. That's in chapter 18. That's the next verse. But ladies, I want to remind you, the next time a preacher preaches that, for you to flip back one chapter in your Bible and remind the preacher that Abraham laughed first. Amen? Abraham laughed also. It wasn't just Sarah who laughed. Abraham laughed. They both were taken aback that God would give them a child at this age. Amen? Genesis 18 verse 12 says, Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Surely I shall bear a child since I am old? But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, No, but you did laugh. Don't you love that? God's not chiding her. God's not trying to make her afraid. There's this just gentle interplay between God and Sarah. And she doesn't even laugh out loud. She chuckles within herself. And she's in a different part of the tent. So God didn't see her, but God knew that she laughed. 
The Lord knows our hearts. He knows the desire of our heart. And he called her out on it. He said, why did your wife laugh? And from the other room, she says, I didn't laugh. And the Lord answers back and says, oh, but you did. Oh, but you did. You did laugh. I love that. You know, what's amazing about this is that she is laughing. Um, she's laughing over the promise that sounds too good to be true. Has anyone ever promised you something that was just too good to be true? I mean, they offered you something. Maybe it was a salesman. Maybe it was someone trying to get you on the phone and get you to sign up for something. Have you ever visited those timeshare places? Yeah, and they, and they offer you the moon, right? Have you ever stepped on a car lot? Yeah, I mean, just over and over in life, you and I have these moments where people offer us a deal and we say, that is just too good to be true. Has it ever been so outlandish that you're just laughing on the inside? And maybe you even laughed a little on the outside. Maybe you looked at them and said, yeah, right, I, I don't believe that. There's no way you can deliver on that promise. Well, Sarah laughed on this day. And she laughed in shock and disbelief about God's promise for her future. Her laugh was a way of saying, no way. There's no way this can happen to me. Her laugh was one of doubt. It was not one of faith. That's not the kind of laugh the Bible is inviting us to in Proverbs 31 and 25. When the Bible says in Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman laughs over the future, she's not laughing in doubt, she's laughing in faith. She's not laughing because she's disbelieving what God will do. She's able to smile and laugh because she's so confident in what God is going to do. She knows who her God is. He's clothed her with strength and dignity. And no matter what she faces, she's able to laugh. She can laugh at her fears. And when the enemy comes and tries to make her doubt, she can look at the enemy and laugh and say, No way. Your plans will not stand God's plans for me are going to have the last word in my life. And when she looks at the future, she can smile with confidence. She can rejoice with hope because anyone who knows the Lord Jesus can say with confidence, the best is yet to come. Say that with me. The best is yet to come. I love Genesis 21 verse 6. After the child is born, Sarah thinks back on this story and she says these words. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh and all who hear will laugh with me. Isn't that great? God turned around her laughter and now all of a sudden she's not laughing in doubt. She's laughing because it's actually happened. God actually kept his promise. What he guaranteed her actually came to fruition. Sarah's quiet chuckle of disbelief is replaced by the noisy belly laughing of a woman who is watching her baby boy grow up and develop and do all the funny things that little boys do as they are on that journey. I love that verse. Can you dare to believe today that God's plans for your future are to fill your life with laughter? Can you dare to believe today that his word is true, that his plans for you are good, not evil? They're to prosper you, not to harm you. They're to give you a future and a hope, an expected end. When we daydream about the future, God wants us to laugh, not with doubt, but he wants us to laugh with delight. For those who know their God, we can say the best is yet to come. God promises our final destination is heaven. He assures us that in the meantime, between here and there, He's working all things out for our good and His glory. God reminds us that even the hard trials we face, we can count it all joy because they're not working on us, they're working for us. God is developing something in us and He's going to turn our trials into our testimony of His love and faithfulness. He will redeem even the dark hours. He will 
will transform even the bad times into a story that ends well. And that's what hope is all about, that our story will end well. If you hold on to your faith in God, one day you will testify like the people of Judah in Psalm 126, verses 1 to 3. This passage has become precious to me lately. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. And they replied, the Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Would you stand with me all over the Lord's house this morning? I want to tell you today, you can be clothed with strength and dignity. And you can laugh at your fears and you can rejoice over your future. If you are like this woman in Proverbs 31, grounded, rooted in the reality of your relationship with God. The only hope that we have is that our feet are planted in the way of God's word. I want to ask you today, are you clothed with strength? Does that describe your life today? Are you clothed with strength? Our God gives power to the faint, to those who have no mighty increases strength. Even youths will grow tired and weary and young men will utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. God can make you strong in the Lord and the power of his might. God's able to strengthen you with all power and might in your inner, in your inner person. God can say to you like Joshua, be strong and courageous because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So today, let me urge you today, if you're not clothed in strength, you can be. Not because you're strong, but because your God is strong. Because he's a refuge. Because you can run to him and he will be your rock and your fortress. He will defend you no matter what trial you're facing. Are you clothed with dignity today? Or are you covered with shame? Has there been some failure in your past? Some sin? Some mistake? You don't have to run from God anymore. You don't have to make excuses. You don't have to explain what happened. You don't have to color code the story. You don't have to try to pass things off. God is not here to expose you today. His grace is here to cover you. And His power is here to rebuild your life from whatever happened back into what you're destined to be. He is here to restore you. He's here to renew God's image in your life. He's here to rebuild you and restore you to what you're created to be today. God is our refuge. Amen? Jesus is a refuge. You can run to him today. He will cover you. You don't have to be afraid. You, don't, you can be clothed with strength and dignity. You can smile at your fears today. God's plans are greater than Satan's plots. God laughs at his enemies. And because God is your father, you can laugh at yours. You can doubt your doubts and trust that your faith is going to be made sight because his word is dependable and his character does not change. And God has taken you on as his own son or daughter and you can rest that he will keep his promises and he will take care of you today if you have trusted him to be your Lord and Savior. Now, that's the question today though, right? Have you? Well, pastor, I just assumed that everybody was a son or daughter of God. Well, that's a big assumption to make because the Bible is very clear that while all of us are created by God, those that are called his sons and daughters have taken an extra step to bear that title. What is it? The Bible says that they have been born again. Their heart has been made new. 
How do you get born again, pastor? How does that happen? The Bible says we repent of our sin. We confess that we failed God and we've sinned against him. We look to the cross where Jesus died in our place. And we believe with all of our heart that his death on the cross was enough to pay for our sins. And we come and we trust and we ask him to forgive us and save us. And whenever we trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit performs a miracle in our hearts. Our hearts that were dead in sin are made alive to God. Our hearts that were chained up in our old way of living are set free to live in a new, a new way. We get a new set of desires, a heart that wants to please God. God gives us a new heart. We're born anew. We're born again. I want to ask you today, are you there? Have you trusted Jesus as Savior? If not, you can today. But the reality is only Jesus can make you a son or daughter of God. Your faith in Him. He is the Son of God. And by faith in Him, we become the sons and daughters of God. Amen? The Bible tells us that. To as many as believed on Him, to them He gave the power to become the children of God. Those who trust in Christ are God's sons and God's daughters. Are you rejoicing over your future? Are you smiling at your tomorrows today? Or is your mind filled with worry and anxiety? Maybe there's storm clouds rolling into your life right now. Maybe you look on the horizon and you already see things coming down the pike that make you very nervous for your future. Can I tell you today, you don't have to buckle. You don't have to fear. You don't have to cave into anxiety. Jesus can give you the security that you need to face tomorrow with confidence. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. And we know that he holds us. And we can rest assured in him today. As we close today, Chad's going to lead us in a song declaring our trust in God, giving our praise to God. And I want to tell you today that if you need to pray before we dismiss, go spend time with our moms this afternoon. If you're here today, and one of two things, maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I need to trust Jesus. I need to take God up on that offer to become a son or daughter of God. I would love for you to come this morning. Someone would love to meet you at this altar and pray with you and lead you in prayer to receive Christ as your Savior. For your heart to be born again and for you to become God's own child. You can do that today. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Don't resist Him. Respond today. Come. But maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm a believer, but I don't feel clothed with strength and dignity. I certainly don't feel like I can smile about tomorrow or laugh in the face of the enemies I'm facing today. I really could use someone to lay their hand on my shoulder and agree with me in prayer today and strengthen my hand and encourage my heart in the things of God. Well, you know what? The altar's open today. And we would love to have an opportunity for just a moment while we sing congregationally to agree with you in prayer that God's going to strengthen your heart and that he's going to give you the ability to face tomorrow with a confidence that only God's children can know. Amen? Amen. We're going to sing. We're going to pray. The altar's open. Would you pray with me? Father, in the strong name of your son Jesus, we come asking you today, meet us here. Meet us here at your altar. And Lord, for anyone in this room who needs to trust Christ, who needs to be saved and rescued from sin, maybe someone here who once walked with the Lord, but something happened in life and they wandered far away. There may be a prodigal son or daughter in this room who just came to be with their mom. But maybe today the Holy Spirit has spoken to their heart. And Lord, you've stirred them up. And now they are desiring to renew their relationship with Christ. Lord, I pray that today would be the day that happens for them. And Father, I ask you today, draw them by your Spirit. Lord, we ask today for those in this room who are facing very difficult moments just ahead. Maybe they're already embroiled in a great trial. 
Maybe they're already battling a fierce enemy. And today they're finding it hard to laugh, even to smile, to have confidence. Lord, I pray today that they would find in this altar someone who would agree with them in prayer. Remind them that God's promises are true, that you're faithful and you can be trusted. And that we would lean hard into you today in Jesus' name and God's people said. Give the Lord a great hand of praise this morning. Amen. 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 We're going to sing a song of trust this morning before we dismiss. But if you need prayer, the altar's open. Come on. Let's pray. Let's press into God's presence today. Chad, lead us today. Thank you for listening to our podcast at The Hill. We pray that you are blessed by this message. For more information on what's happening at The Hill and to stay connected, visit our website at foresthillcog.org. Join our Facebook page, facebook.com slash or download our app from the iTunes or Google Play Store.